Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by PR Week. For more podcasts, visit us online at prweek.com. Hi, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddles. I'm managing editor of PR Week. It is my pleasure to welcome you to this very special podcast sponsored by Finn Partners. Much gratitude to them for doing so. Our session today will focus on talent, specifically young talent, and the keys to ensure yours is a workplace that appeals to this crucial segment of your workforce, but also that you are better equipped to make the right recruitment and retention decisions pertaining to young talent. During today's podcast, we are going to chat about matters such as what to look for in young professionals when recruiting to bring them onto your teams, the shifting workplace expectations of younger professionals, the unique qualities younger pros bring to the creative process, and more. And joining me today to shed light on all of these key issues are three tremendous guests. Candace Steele Flippin, SVP and CCO at Acuity Brands, Christy Cool, Managing Partner, Global Health Practice Leader at Finn Partners, and Ravneet Damrate, Assistant Account Executive, CSR and Social Impact at Finn Partners. Thank you all so much for joining me today. What makes me really, really excited about this is, as you can tell by the speakers that we have, different perspectives. That's really going to bring some breath to this conversation that I'm really looking forward to. So without further ado, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so let's just get right to it. Hiring young talent remains a unique proposition from any level of seniority because there simply isn't the professional track record to gauge. That said, the fact Gen Z enters the workforce with incredible comfort and knowledge of all things social and digital, not to mention purpose and other things, certainly changes the recruiting equation. What should those in hiring positions be looking for to tell them a, particularly, a particular Gen Z prospect is the right one to bring aboard? I really could start with any of you, so I'm gonna. I've already flipped the coin beforehand, and Candice, it came up head, so you go first. You know, as as a researcher, also as a employer, some of the things that I believe that employers should be looking for in young talent is curiosity. And the reason why I say that is because every organization wants to innovate, and sometimes it's hard to understand what motivates someone. So asking questions about Curiosity, I think, will be really important. I've also seen in my own research and speaking with so many Gen Z um, employees, they really want to understand what training and development looks like. And so when you're looking for um, prospective candidates, getting a sense of how they develop themselves and what tools and resources they're looking for will go a long way. And then finally, I, I would say that the other thing that is gonna be really important is adaptability. You know, we've all learned as a result of this pandemic that what's normal, and I'm using air quotes here for those listening, you know, it's, it's different and it's gonna to continue to evolve. And so just understanding what that adaptability looks like, I think will go a long way in terms of helping with fit. So those Thanks are some so. of the softer parts of looking at in terms of beyond technical skills, that um, I've observed in our own hiring practices and in speaking with my peers seem to resonate. Thank you so much, Candace. And don't worry, I use the air quotes all the time and I have to explain that too. So that's par for the course with podcasts, I believe. Christy, I'd love for your, I'd love your perspective on this topic as well. So I'd like to hear from you on this. You know, when you are starting to hire someone for their first full-time sort of real job, you're right. You don't, you don't have the track record of 
do they have the success to uh, pass success to to thrive in this role? But it's actually not that different when you're looking to promote somebody into a role either. You don't necessarily know they're going to have. So what are the things that you do look for? Well, you look for, are they, are, are they interested in learning? Um, do they ask a lot of questions about the organization to see, are they going to be a good fit? Do they want, you want diversity of thought, you want all aspects of diversity, but part of it is making sure that there's going to be a, um, a comfort in being able to speak up and that there will be a, a cultural fit. Um, and I personally love when I see what type of part-time job they had. We recently hired um, a, a Gen Zer who, um, while a student had worked at a bridal shop. And I thought, wow, if you can work with someone during a very stressful, but also very joyful moment in their life, where the person you're trying to serve is getting a lot of opinions, it's, it's fraught with emotion, she can work on a team. And she's been fantastic. And so, you know, if you have people who are going to be um, uh, lifelong learners. I love that Candace talked about adaptability and curiosity. I agree completely about that. I think it's really important that you know you you find those skills and then look for for the other unexpected elements that show. Yeah, they they're going to do well on a team. So I guess it's like say yes to the candidate that worked at a bridal shop, right? Yeah, yes. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. It's been two years at home. I'm watching way too much reality TV. Yes, I have watched Say Yes to the Dress accidentally, but still. Now, no but you didn't change the channel, right? Well, my, my wife controls the remote. So uh, anyway, Ravneet, now I want to ask you this as well, but clearly it's a different perspective for you. Um, but you know, if you, want to answer, if you want to answer the question the way I asked it, that's great. But, you know, I'd kind of just be interested in just your perspective of you're not too far removed from those very first interviews that you've ever done to get jobs. I mean, what, what was that process like for you? What did you take away from it? Like, maybe you could tell some of our senior level people out there who are doing hiring. I mean, not, not that, not that uh, Christy and Candace need to help, but others might. What kind of, you know, what kind of questions do you what kind of questions are you looking to hear? What, what, what are you looking to hear from that other side of the conversation that makes you think, you know what, this really could be a place where I want to work? Because let's be honest, an interview kind of goes both ways. You know, they're interviewing you for a job, but you're also interviewing them to see if you want to work there and maybe spend the next few years of your life there. So how do you view that initial interview? Long question, sorry, but I'm sure you have a good answer. <laughs> yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, I think a great sort of question, like quick starter from my own experience, because I didn't have, like Christy was saying, like I looked for someone who's worked at a bridal shower. I didn't have little to no experience before. I even did my friend internship. I, I worked as a tutor. I had like a work study at my college. So I was coming with such a fresh outlook. I just wanted to sort of start this experience at this job. I just wanted to learn. I think in that interview process, I was just so nervous thinking that just in my back of my head, I was like, oh, I don't have any experience. What, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna say? What are they gonna ask? And the interview process was, was at Finn was just so like they were just getting to know me. They were asking me questions like, "What are your interests? Like, at at how did you discover a PR? Like, what made you interested?" And they actually asked me in the interview like, "Where do you want to go? Where do you see what group? You know, after you you know if you hire you, where do you want to go?" And I said CSR, and I was literally placed there. And I'm still there for the last two years. So then questions like, because of that background, you might not have any, you might not have much experience, and like you don't have that much sort of track record of like jobs or seniority levels, but here we bring sort of this fresh new outlook. I think sort of asking those questions to really know 
um, because I think Gen Z, our generation, is very well equipped with a lot of information. We're obviously with social media, we're very exposed. And I think we can bring a really refreshing change to a company and, and this generation is like eager to learn and then and want and crave um, a career experience that is just not, you know, not just like, oh, I'm just going to do this internship for two months and I'm just going to go. We value, we want to grow and that that's what we do. Um, but it's also like if your team, going back to your original question with Christine and Candice, like if your team is just like one age bracket and with little to no diversity, there's no evolution of thought. There's no evolution of creativity. There's there's nothing that's really driving the team forward. Even with like forward spreading with clients, there's no like creativity in that aspect. I hope that answers your question. Um, well, you know what? You just proved that you're a lot smarter at your age than I was when I was your age. But I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, no, it's all it's all good. I'm just feeling a little bit old right now. Sorry, guys. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Um, so we're going to get to the point of the podcast now where, because we have three incredible leaders here with such different perspectives, I kind of want to ask them each a question that really, really kind of fits into them. Candace, I am going to start with you. Now, in my research leading up to today, and yes, I do some homework before I do these, despite some popular opinions that I do not, I was blown away by your expertise in matters related to multi-generational workforces and how to make them work. Something I've seen you comment a lot on are shifting expectations around rewards, recognition, and mastery of skills. These are all such key factors to retaining young talent. So I'm happy to give you the floor to discuss how these expectations have shifted and your view on how managers are meeting those evolving demands. Let me start with some facts. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that in October, 4.2 million Americans quit their jobs. In September, it was 4.4 million Americans quitting their jobs. And so this great resignation that we've been hearing about is continuing. And, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I actually did a study myself as part of my um, fellowship at, at Case Western Reserve about, you know, why Gen Z workers are leaving their jobs. And what I found is that 33% could leave for more money just off the board. And so I, it, it's telling me that there's been a shift because when I looked at the same topic in 2017, you know, actually workers wanted to stay as long as they could. They wanted to be trained and developed as what we said, but there are a lot of things that are under the surface. And so what I, what I imagine is that a lot of employers are scratching their heads and trying to understand what to do to retain young workers. And these are workers who are 18 to 25 right now um, in the workplace. What I would encourage people to do is to take a hard look at the data that you're collecting on your workforce in terms of how they are engaging with your culture and to get those insights and to take them seriously. It's very easy to think that the pendulum at some point is gonna swing back and the workplace will go back to where it was, but I don't see that happening in the short term. And so we have to reconcile these employer expectations now. And so here's what my research shows that employees want. They want to know that, that their employer is taking what's happening in the external environment seriously. So issues around the environment, issues around social issues, issues around the economy, that they are embracing those topics if their 
employee base care about them and they have a position. I also learned last year that 68% of Gen Z and millennial workers are now wanting to make sure that the work they're doing has some type of purpose. And that doesn't mean that today you're an attorney and tomorrow you wanna be a social worker. What it means is you wanna understand and have a clear understanding that the work that you're doing is relevant in a broader context. So whatever your organization or company does, you're able to translate that work and that contribution to a greater good. And then the last thing I would say is that mental health is real and we are all under a certain amount of stress. And for Gen Z, it's much more heightened. And so we need to do a lot more work on showing and expressing empathy um, at a level that perhaps we've not done before because the prolonged pandemic, which we don't really know will officially transition to a, to a place where we can all feel comfortable going out into our, to our homes and going out of our homes and living our lives, that, that it, it's, it's really a challenge. And a lot of workers who are just launching um, either went into an office or, and then had to go home and so didn't get that human dynamic exchange or never faced it. And so that requires a lot of empathy and input to help people transition. And, and we're not used to that. And doesn't mean that people are not empathetic. What I'm suggesting is from a communications perspective and how you're working with people, just keeping in mind that all the difference of, all the dynamics of empathy, you know, how you're relating to someone, how you're speaking with someone, the tone, um, your verbal and nonverbal cues, um, going the extra mile, you know, saying thank you, showing appreciation, recognizing people is much more important than ever in terms of being able to make people feel like you see them as a human in this environment so that they have a reason to stay. So if we all know that, and what I see in my research, that uh, our workers are vulnerable to compensation, you're going to have to go the extra mile to reconcile those compensation issues, but at the same time, do additional work to understand what's important to them as a whole person and making sure that your culture reflects that and that you're communicating that to them. Um, thank you so much for that, Candice. And it does not surprise me in the least that the word empathy was so important in your answer because either, either empathy or just employee relations have probably been the words of the last 18 months. So it's always good when you have conversations like this, you kind of always know you're gonna hear about them, but it is really, really important. So I definitely appreciate that perspective. Thank you for that. Now, Chris, Christy, actually Candace did touch on this a little bit, but I wanna get a little bit deeper into this with you. Never has purpose, ESG values. I know people somewhat use different words, but you get the point. Been more top of mind for all key stakeholders when assessing organizations. And many feel it is Gen Z that is driving this. From a creative standpoint, what have the Gen Z staffers and Finn partners brought to the table that have not only helped Finn as an organization, but also on the creative campaign front with clients, bolster efforts on the purpose front? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I feel very lucky that I've been able to spend my career um, in health because I have always found that there's tremendous purpose and I find it very meaningful. You know, there the I'm amazed when I talk with friends who are saying like, I can't wait to have enough money to retire. I want to retire early. I, I don't want to retire. I want to keep doing this and helping people and working with colleagues. I, I absolutely love what I do. And 
Finn was actually founded to be an agency with a heart and a conscience. And not a lot of places say that. And, you know, many people have values that are written on a wall somewhere. Finn actually makes business decisions based on values. And so I think we're a natural place to attract Gen Z talent because more than any other generation, look, salary always matters, but more than any other generation, Gen Z says, I want to work at a place that I know is going to be a good global citizen. And every generation is going to define that differently, but it's very helpful to work with people who are open and have discussions about what that means. And so from the perspective of the work we're doing for our clients and making sure the imagery we're using is appropriate, appropriate, making sure the way we're telling stories is inclusive, um, that celebrates both individuality, but the inclusiveness of it, making sure that we have diversity on teams so that we don't miss things, um, has been a huge benefit to having Gen Z be in our workforce and to also attracting Gen Z. You know, one thing that really strikes me is that Statistically, at least, more people in, in Generation Z are children uh, in the United States are children of immigrants than millennials were. And so there's a natural desire to see things that are very different. And, you know, when we're around the holidays or around things, people here are just talking about like their food traditions. Personally, in my house, it was a party once my mom set some type of food on fire. We don't have a lot of food traditions in my family, <laughs> but I love hearing about the food traditions other people have. And we can see the differences and honor them and, you know, take the opportunity to say, I love that. Let's be part of that. And, you know, I've been in brainstorms where people are talking about a disease state and saying we cannot say the patient, right? Because there isn't one person who's experiencing something and that's not the, the full person, right? The person we're, we want to reach um, in the health space, they may have a disease, but they have a lot of other things going on. And not every person who has that d disease is identical or experiencing the same things. So it's really wonderful to have Gen Z talent and colleagues who speak up, they, they feel passionate about the work they're doing and the, and the meaning it is bringing to them. And they definitely help influence the way we do things from perspective of serving clients, but also the um, DEI work we're doing, the um, volunteer work we do, all of those things are a huge benefit. And, you know, I just love working with Gen Z, you know, as, as my colleague Tom Jones says, bragging about working, you know, 18 hours a day is so 1990s, right? People today want to brag about the impact what they're doing to make the world a better place. And, you know, as Candace said, whether you're doing that through being a lawyer, whether you're doing that through being a doctor, whether you're doing that for being a public relations professional, you are, if you feel the impact that you're making into the world a better place, that's fantastic. And that is what Gen Z wants. And I think it's making agencies better for it. Super. Thank you so much for that, Christy. Now, Candace and Christy obviously spend a lot of time working with Gen Z colleagues. And they do a lot of time, they spend a lot of time mentoring them as well, obviously. But clearly, could not have this conversation today without Ravneet representing Gen Z. So, Ravneet, I have a good question for you. And this is the question I have. It's direct, but it gets right to the heart of what we're talking about today. 
I would love for you to share with us three, and you know, I'm, you probably could do more, but I'm going to settle for three, three misperceptions or misunderstandings that management has about what it is that younger professionals are looking for, not only in terms of being happy with their workplace, but also to assure them that they have found a place that is really shaping them for future success. So everyone's really listening right now. So what are those three things? No pressure. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of difficult to narrow down three things, but I sort of, for the firstly, I think there's this sort of perception about that Gen Z are naive due to our lack of experience that, or that we don't want to be challenged, that you can just sit, fiddle up to us in one bracket of like, oh, building media list or like doing all of that. Cause I've seen that with my friends as well, which is like the opposite experience I had at Finn where I was exposed to so many things. It's just that we're young to the industry, so it's okay not to give us that. And But it, I think it's really important to push our generation to strive because as I said before, it's, we're eager to learn and we're so dedicated to the work that we do. And if we like the company that we are, we will be giving our 200% in, in whatever we do. Um, and plus, I think our knowledge of like sort of tech sort of gives us an edge. Um, since we're like born multitaskers, I think our generation is born like in the internet, so the surge of internet, surge of like iPhones or whatever, social media, we're sort of exposed to that. So we're born with that ideology and we're born and we live through that in our school, in our colleges. So we're sort of accustomed to this, uh, to this environment. So I think challenging us to push us to do things, which is, which is what I did when I like and Finn, when I sort of transitioned in the summer to like almost full time, I was working five, four or five days. I was given a lot of different tasks. I was like doing new business decks. I was like calling up uh, new partners, like to, to, you know, if they want to join us or if they, if they want to join our client in this diversity initiative, I was making those calls and my team really pushed me to do that. And that's sort of like, even though I was like nervous, I was like, oh no, I'm going to do it. But I think that really sort of opens your mind. You have to like give that little sort of nudge and then you have to let the other person like take it forward. So the second perception is um, a misperception is that Gen Z emphasizes on monetary benefits. It is it is the main thing, but it's not everything. You know, 45% of the generation wants to work uh, at a company that has meaning and purpose, like Candice was mentioning. And that and, and so Gen Z doesn't want to work in a company that just pays well. That's the only thing. Candice said that we want mental health, diversity, all these uh, empathy and sort of like this company that looks after us and works with us to, for employee well-being and and is contributing to the world in the ethical most sustainable way mm-hmm. so i think that's one and thirdly i think this is i think most popular one that uh misperception of being job hoppers that once we get in three months we're out we're out there we're, we're going somewhere else which is there and you know according to data by career builder like gen z's work Workers spend an average of two years to two months in a role, actually, in a, which is a reduction from millennials average, which is two years and nine months. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But I think companies need to sort of look back and look at the root cause of this problem and look at why are Gen Z leaving these positions so early? What is what is causing this problem? Why is there enough retention, like Candice was mentioning? So I think in terms of that, I think there's a lot. Go back to our three things that um, the companies need to start doing. So in, to ensure Gen Z retention is one is a healthier lifestyle, which I think we look for a workplace that really cares about us, that works to avoid burnout, which is which has been such an, a tremendous issue during this pandemic, um, which is it's amplified and just getting worse and worse. If, if the people in your organization aren't healthy physically, emotionally, 
your organization is, isn't healthy either. So if your employees are not doing better, your company's not going to do good. Um, so like balanced hours, flexible um, work schedule, PTO, holiday time, all those things become more important. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, when, when we look at, when we reapply for jobs, I most certainly would go to the company's website and like look at their leadership team and look at the range of clients. That's the first thing is, do I see diversity in there? Do I see someone who I, I, I can be like, oh, this person is, you know, Asian American. Oh, I can, I see myself joining here because I see representation, mm -hmm. see representation, not just of, of ethnicity, but of thought. So it's and the importance of DEI has uh, right now with the social justice movement from last year. It's not just phrases that pop on a website. It's, it needs to be imperative to the core of the company's values and it's to be integrated into our culture. It's not just like we're just saying and we're pushing out these things. But it has to be your employee has to feel it that, mm -hmm. oh, I feel that this is a diverse workplace and I can like interact with all these individuals. No, you know, so I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was my. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. no what I was going to say, actually, though, is that it's really, really interesting, again, to hear um, the expectations that younger employees have of those who either already employ them or might employ them again. I don't think that dynamic between young person just coming into the workforce and hiring person was like that even 10, 15 years ago. I mean, it certainly wasn't that way with me. I mean, you know, I just, you know, whatever, you know, whatever makes them happy. Yeah. I'll just kind of, kind of mold myself into that. It's not quite that way. Again, it's always reassuring. It is kind of reassuring actually to hear someone um, who represents Gen Z kind of feel the way, but again, Ravneet, I think you want to finish something. I didn't mean to interrupt. So go ahead. No, no, no worries. I think um, management needs to sort of think about questions like these are how transparent and vocal our company leaders about their successes and failures. So I think there needs to be a balance of both. You can't just be like, oh, we want this client, or oh, this is this is this is what we've done, and we're like number one, whatever. But I think we need to sort of really acknowledge our failures. Be like, oh, this is what we did wrong. This is what we're going to do to improve. And secondly, is like how are we advancing and promoting promoting employees on the basis of their contributions? And thirdly, does our company strategy really work to focus more on employee well-being? It's not that I had someone really close to me who worked to start at a company uh, this year and everything was going really nicely. And, you know, they were they had these like mental health days and like you can take summer Fridays where you can like log off early at two and whatnot. But when she she was in a starting position and she couldn't do that all her other co-workers were taking off and like we're going and she was like i had no time even though everybody was like no you should do it but she's like i had all this work in, in front of me how how was i supposed to do it so i think that's a really clear example of like you're saying it but you're not actually doing it mm -hmm. so i think i'll wrap it up like that Wow, I got, I, got, I got a lot more than three things there, but all of them were really <laughs> valuable, so I do appreciate that. No, 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 that's, that, that's really, you know what, again, you're the Gen Zer here, so people want to hear from you, so I do appreciate <laughs> that. But I'm going to hear from all of you now, and we're going to close this off with, I think which is kind of an interesting subject, because what should leaders in the comms industry be doing to work better with universities to ensure that the youngsters who enter the professional ranks are ready to truly hit the ground running? I mean... There are some wonderful communications programs at the university level right now, both undergrad and grad. And, but, you know, how they prepare you for what communications is really like is really an interesting subject. And, you know, I know that a lot of them work with agencies and in-house departments to really kind of shape their curriculums so that they are really ready to come into the workplace hitting the ground running. So how do you guys work with the universities and you know, 
Christy, I guess I'll start with you. So my first response is that I don't think we should expect anybody to join and hit the ground running. I, I think that it's really important that when we step back and think about hiring, first of all, we shouldn't just look at the universities that we went to or our friends went to. We really want to make sure that we're reaching out to people who might not even know you could be in this space, right? People in all, in all different areas, because we're not going to really have um, a diverse workforce if every single person we hire went to the same university and had the same major. And I, I think that it's more important to expect that an entry-level person is going to be eager to learn, seeking knowledge, looking things up, asking questions, and you know, wants to really be part of a team um, and, and fits in culturally. I think that matters the most. Now, if they've gone to a university where they know a lot about the subject matter, that's a that is a bonus and that's wonderful. But I think that we could potentially be setting ourselves up to fail if we're expecting that someone who walks in the door because they studied something is going to be perfect at it. And you know that, that could put undue pressure on, on, on people. But we also might end up turning away people who, who you know, didn't major in these things or you know, people who might be very talented and haven't gone to university. Um, so I think that it's most important that we think about who can this person become as a, as a colleague versus what have they already studied and done. Very much appreciative of the answer. Thank you so much for that. Candace, any thoughts? I totally echo everything that Christy says, and I would offer three other things. Mm -hmm. The first is, in terms of working with universities, expose the students um, to their organization. And so throughout my career, I have often put in my budget a line item to have interns so that I can bring students into my organization to experience what communications is like so that they can have, it also has created a pipeline for me. Mm -hmm. And I often, as Christy knows, if I find talented individuals, I'll point them to my peers to see if they have intern opportunities at their organizations as well. The other thing that I would say is to engage and go speak to students about what a day or a week or a month is like in your profession so that they have the context. Christy is spot on. If you've not done it, you've not had an internship, you wouldn't have the context. So speaking with students, you know, the fireside chat or guest lecture to just understand what it's like and what your career trajectory was like. You know, I was not a history of art. I was not a PR major. I was actually a history of art major in college and started my career out working in museums. And then within one museum started doing communications. And that's kind of how my career grew. So to her point, not everyone's going to be classically trained in communications or PR. So I would say to do that. And then finally, um, encourage schools to have business acumen skills for the students mm -hmm. in their curriculum. A popular phrase that many of us may have heard or maybe even said, I chose PR because I didn't want to do math. But as you progress in your career, you're going to have to put budgets together. You're going to have to negotiate like all of these things. And so giving students an opportunity to have some type of business acumen or training is, is really crucial so they can be successful as they move through, through, their, through, their, through their career. So those are my thoughts. 
No, no. And uh, of course, not to mention all the data that you have to go through. There are numbers involved with that too, folks. So, you know, it's like, you know, one of the most popular sayings now is, you know, communications has gone from an art and it's still an art to art and science. So yeah. you, can't, you can't escape math anymore in PR, folks. Just remember no. that. There you and go. You'd be surprised how I many people are shocked to learn that. Um, yeah, well, th well, they're going to have to learn quick. Now, well, of course, um, let's close this up with you. Any thoughts that you might have, or perhaps from a Perhaps take it from a different perspective, if it makes it easier for you. Perhaps talk a little bit about maybe a couple of things that you took from university life that have really, really helped you as you've started your career. Um, thank you. Um, I'll just touch upon a few things. I think in the university, especially in the major that I was, it was two years of communication. So I had to, I had to get certain credits in the communication. And it was a range. It was not just PR. It was advertising, marketing. NPR, you were just learning everything in combination with different classes. So for me, I generally, I was just struggling to like grasp the concept of PR because when you learn it on a book on a, on the surface, it's just like words. It's just knowledge that's just jumping at you and you're just trying to absorb, take the test or like the projects. But I think the one thing that really helped me and I feel like which Candace touched upon is internships because I've done it. And I just think they're so, so valuable to individuals who are like in their junior year or senior year who are just like trying to figure out where to go. And it, it could be a trial and error. If you go into an internship and you can find out, oh, I like this, this could be something that I can pursue for the next number of years. Or it could be something like, oh, I, I definitely do not like this. It's, it's kind of that sort of that process that you can go. And so I, I just feel like it's a foot in the door for us to like go and, the, and it needs to be more amplified with with universities and because the scholarship that i had received this internship program was was with ccny and finn mm -hmm. this diversity award and i remember having it in front of me and i was like i can't do this i have no experience that was my first thought and then my professor came and she was like what do you mean what do you mean you have no experience have you have you tried this have you done this i was like i haven't done the interview yet she's like okay then apply for it how do you know without trying so that just like sort of <laughs> that switch just went in my head. I was like, yeah, how would I know without trying? Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember I was one of the last people they interviewed and, but it just, we clicked in the interview. I really like engaged with Helen and then, and everybody. And I was like, this is, this is something that I can do. And then going into CSR, having sort of that knowledge, because I was still in my senior year and I was like doing my final project with this internship, whatever I was learning both in school and, and my, on my internship was just like merging together was like everything was coming in, in sync with, with each other. So I think that that was really incredible. So I would really encourage all Gen Z professionals who are like starting out and are just not sure is to try that sort of internship trial network to find like one foot in the industry. That is terrific advice and a really wonderful way to end this. And, you know, I, this is such an important topic because it's the present and the future of the industry kind of all in one. And, that's why I was so excited to have three such terrific speakers, but also three terrific and somewhat different perspectives, kind of giving us a 360 view on this. So that was really, really exciting. And um, Candice and Christy and Ravneet, thank you all so much for sharing your perspectives, taking time from your very busy schedules to speak with me today as well. I know it's right around the holidays. And as I've learned, um, everyone is just super busy, even though it's kind of hard to find the time in the last 20 months that everyone isn't super busy. But I know everyone's busy now, and I do appreciate the time that you took today. And of course, I want to thank Finn Partners for making this event possible with its support. And thanks to all of you out there for listening as well. Please don't forget to go to peerweek.com where you can check out all of the terrific podcasts we have for you. 
for now. This is Gideon Fiddles, I Magic Editor of PR, wishing you all a great rest of your day and the happiest of holiday seasons. Thank you all so, so much.